Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 21, A Woman's Religion. The executive board for the newly formed University District Christian Science Society got organized. During the month of December 1914, they set up a bank account and acquired accounting books. They purchased 18 dozen folding chairs and four dozen hymnals. They began making monthly payments to support the jointly maintained downtown Christian Science Reading Room. They put an advertisement for their church services in the North End News. They appointed a member to get one sign for the door of their rented room and one to put out by the sidewalk. Attendance unexpectedly overflowed the 300 seats they had set up in the University Masonic Hall at the first church services on Sunday, November 29th. Now, the board members saw potential for even more people at their next church services. They wanted to send a circular letter to students at the University of Washington. They were hopeful the secretary of the University Young Women's Christian Association, YWCA, would give them a list of university women that might be interested. Their clerk was instructed to make formal request. Established in 1895 by Ella Chamberlain for Bible study and missionary outreach to local immigrants, the YWCA was the first women's organization established on campus. Whether or not the YWCA helped the Christian scientists was not recorded. There may have been an expectation of cooperation because of their shared interest in advancing the social status of women. The influence and leadership of women in Christian science, and in particular in the U-District Society, was significant. Mary Baker Eddy's church organization had included equality of the sexes as a foundational principle since its beginning in the 1870s. The new U-District Society was unmistakably and overwhelmingly female. It was initiated by a woman, Organized by a team of three women, its first business meetings were chaired by a woman, its first board had a woman majority, all three officers in charge of the Sunday school were women, the first reader was a woman, with a man assisting as second reader. This was unusual for Christianity at the time, but not for Christian science churches. The Christian Science Church was a pioneer in the extent to which it put woman's voice into the pulpit. Whenever possible, a man and a woman served together in the readership. In 1910, about 60% of the first readers throughout the world were women. There was a general tendency for the first readers at the largest churches to be men, and the smallest churches sometimes had two women readers. At this time in Seattle, the readership was remarkably gender-balanced. In Seattle, the rapidly growing list of Christian science practitioners, the closest role in the Christian science church to clergy, 
showed a typical gender ratio, about 90% women. The female leadership at the U-District Society reflected the makeup of the membership. This branch may have had a more female-dominated membership than any other in Seattle. During these early years, women comprised more than 75% of the members. Christian science was widely recognized at this time as a peculiarly woman's religion. In 1901, the Christian Science Journal published an article called Woman's Religion that illustrated how this female image was sometimes an obstacle for its acceptance. The statement is often made that Christian science is a woman's religion, and it is said in a way that would carry with it a slur and a suggestion that by virtue of its being so dubbed, it would fully justify one wasting no thought or time upon it, and would also result in securing its everlasting doom. The article was written by a clergyman whose wife was healed of invalidism by Christian science. After the healing, he took up the study of Mary Baker Eddy's book, but he struggled with the idea of its author being a woman. I found myself unable to accept Mrs. Eddy, and I tried to separate science and health and Mrs. Eddy. The more I tried, the more Mrs. Eddy seemed to pervade every part of it, until at last my opposition to her overshadowed all else, and I abandoned the whole thing in bitterness, anger, and disgust. After several years of struggle, it began to dawn on my consciousness that possibly it was my own conceit and some jealousy, with a few other pungent ingredients mixed in, which were making Mrs. Eddy the mark for my spleen and keeping me out of the truth. I took science and health again, locked my old self-conceit in a dungeon, where it could not be seen or heard, and a new light dawned upon me. From that moment my life changed, and my demonstration came. Those who were so energetically establishing Christian science had embraced the idea of a new religion founded by a woman. The radical notion of a democratic church that empowered its women might have been at least part of what made Christian science activity so attractive. People in Seattle were unusually supportive of women's rights. Washingtonian women had been voting sporadically since 1883 and permanently since 1910, ten years before the constitutional amendment that gave women voting rights nationally. Seattle's university district produced the first woman mayor of Seattle who was also the first woman mayor of any major United States city. The first graduate of the University of Washington was a woman. So considering how supportive the university district had been of women's higher education and active involvement in civic life, the appeal of the new Christian Science Church among young women was understandable. There was some concern about the imbalance of gender within the Christian science movement, as shown by Mary Baker Eddy's article, Men in Our Ranks, 
published in the 1910 Christian Science Journal and Sentinel. A letter from a student in the field says there is a grave need for more men in Christian science practice. I have not infrequently hinted at this. However, if the occasion demands it, I will repeat that men are very important factors in our field of labor for Christian science. The male element is a strong supporting arm to religion as well as to politics, and we need in our ranks of divine energy the strong, the faithful, the untiring spiritual armament. Perhaps to present a more gender-balanced image to visitors, the ushers in Christian science churches were consistently dominated by men for many decades. As the number of men increased within the membership, it became customary to elect a man to the more prominent first-reader position. The small minority of men within the ranks of full-time Christian science practitioners were the ones most often selected to be lecturers. Also, men generally filled the leadership positions at the Mother Church in Boston. In this way, the Christian science movement presented a more gender-balanced image to the world, which may have helped recruit men to membership at branch churches. Even with men holding prominent positions within the Christian Science Organization, women still made up the overwhelming majority of votes within the democratically run branch churches, and so controlled the most important decisions, such as whether to build churches, a topic which would soon be raised within the new University District Christian Science Society. Their rental of University Masonic Hall was serving their needs at present, but they would very soon need a larger room. Eventually, they would want their own building, something as grand and elegant as First Church of Christ Scientist on Capitol Hill, to present this new religious movement, this woman's religion, in the best possible way to the public. For now, the mostly women members of the U-District branch of Reverend Mary Baker Eddy's church were focused on outreach to the university community through every way available to them. They were preparing for church growth. And it was happening. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.